Open with a word of prayer, and let's dig into the word. I love this chapter, but I love them all. Amen? But I love this chapter. It really ministered to my heart this, uh, this past week, and I pray you'll be encouraged by it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. And Lord, we ask now as we go to your word that your Holy Spirit would be our teacher. Give us ears to hear what your Spirit would say to us. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said... Hey, if you don't have an outline, they are on the back, wall, uh, on the back table back there. Uh, the outline will be up behind me in just a moment. By way of quick review, just to understand the context of what's going on here, we've talked about this in the past, but we've got a lot to cover this morning, so I'll make it brief. But the Ephesian church was founded by, by uh, the Apostle Paul. When he went to Ephesus originally, there was the, the huge worship of the goddess Diana. And during his time there, he started a riot. And the way he started a riot is he spoke out against uh, Diana. And when he did, when people gave their life to Jesus Christ, they began to come and burn their books, their witchcraft books in a sense, their books to these false idols. They were bringing out their little false gods they had in their houses and they were setting them on fire. And there was a big, huge amount of money that was made from making these, these, little, go- these little false gods, these little idols, which caused an uproar amongst some of the people. And eventually they started crying out, great is the goddess Diana for two hours because people were turning away from this dead God. And, and you can shout whatever you want for as long as you want, and you can even be sincere in your heart about it. It doesn't make any difference. Dead gods are dead no matter what you say. Can I get an amen to that? But even then, because of the uproar, Paul was arrested. And as he was being arrested, they were dragging him away. And Paul, you know, you should have been saying thank you to the Roman soldiers for arresting him because the people wanted to kill him. But as he was being drugged away, He stopped the, when all the people were gathered together, he got up and he began to speak the gospel to them. He's like, look, I got a captive audience. They might all want to kill me, but at least I can talk to them all. So he started sharing the gospel and he started sharing his own testimony of how he got saved. And the people were listening until he said the Lord had sent him to the Gentiles. And as soon as they heard that, the place exploded in anger and bitterness. And so one of the things that was going on in in Ephesus that's still going on today is division. There's such a lack of unity. Can I get an amen to that? All I need to do is look at our own country. And imagine back in those days when this letter is being written to the church in Ephesus, he had emphasized in the first two chapters, our riches are in Christ because there was a lot of wealth there that was distracting people. And then he talked about who they were before they come to know the Lord and who they were in the Lord. And so it was a reminder to them, but I want to set the tone of kind of what's happening in, in those days and what the Lord had done and how powerful it really is. Because in those days, and we'll see it in this morning's text, the Jews hated the Gentiles. They referred to them as dogs, and not like your puppy at home. If you've ever been to places in third world countries where dogs are scavengers on the street, and they're, they're really filthy, they carry disease. And that's kind of how they looked at, at the Gentiles. And that's why when Paul talked about what the Lord had done in his life and he mentioned the Gentiles, they lost their minds. Well, if you go to the Middle East today, is there unity over there? Can you imagine if, if a Christian got up and, uh, or a Jewish person got up and said, and the Lord came to minister to the Jews and the Palestinians? You might have the same reaction that Paul got when he mentioned the Gentiles. Amen? But guys, as we've been seeing, there is unity in Christ. We're neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, barbarian nor Scythian. We're all one in Christ. Now that's talking about our way of salvation, who we are in the Lord. And see, the sad part is that nothing else can unify us. Only Christ can. 
And that's my prayer for our nation. We are so divided politically. Can I get an amen to that? It's so extreme on both ends. There's really almost no one in the middle. But you know who can restore that? Jesus Christ. And we need revival in our nation, amen? And we need God to do a great and an awesome work. So as we come to chapter 3, again, we've seen the city of great wealth, a lot of sexual immorality. We're seeing how the church is being impacted. He reminds them of their riches in Christ. He reminds them of what the Lord, who they were before they came to know the Lord and who they are now in the Lord. And then that brings us to chapter 3. If you've got your outline, grab it. Go through this quickly because we've got a lot to look at this morning. We saw last week that, that they were brought near by the blood. If you guys remember that, grab the CD. If you were not here, you can go online and watch it. Because, you know, nothing brings us near to Christ, but the, near to the Father, but the blood of Christ. Amen? You can't get there by good works. You can't get there by going to church. You can't get there by being a good person. They were brought near by the blood. So then we get to this chapter. I titled it The Mystery of Grace. And the word mystery there doesn't mean it's, it's, it's a mysterious thing. It just means a truth that was once hidden that is now understood. So the mystery of grace. First of all, we're going to see that we are in the age of grace. Uh, there's dispensations of ways that God reached out to people. We'll talk about those briefly. I'm not going to be able to give it the Terry, Terry's time that he does on dispensation. But I'm going to be able to at least give you a brief overview of what dispensationalism is, what the dispensations are, and why we need grace. Can I get an amen to that? So we will look at that. Then we're going to see the unity of grace. How the, the grace of God brings people who have nothing in common and draws them together because we get adopted into the same family. We'll, we're fellow heirs. When we have Jesus in common, we have everything in common. Amen? And that's my heart as we're moving to this new building. By the way, uh, we're going to give you more opportunities to serve because there's going to be more setup and more things you have to do for children's ministry. And a lot of people say, what can I do in the church? We're going to give you some opportunities to do that. But it's also going to be a blessing because we're going to have a greater opportunity to minister to our children's ministry, most importantly. But also, the sanctuary will seat about 500. So as the church grows, we'll have room to grow. But there's unity in Christ. So we're in the age of grace, and then we're going to see how grace unifies us. Then we're going to see the gift of grace. Grace truly is a gift. Can I get an amen to that? Grace is something we don't deserve. It was freely given by God. And then we'll see the witness of grace. It's ministry, wisdom, boldness, access to God, confidence in Him, faith, and the ability to endure suffering. And then finally at the end, we're going to see Apostle Paul's prayer. And his prayer is for believers in light of God's grace. Guys, when we pray, we ought to pray with the realization of what Christ has done. He tore down the wall, uh, joining Jew and Greek, one in Christ, uh, Again, we're all one in the Lord, providing access to God the Father. You know what? People would be really excited. Maybe there's somebody that you would really love to meet. And if someone told you that this person that you would love to meet would have dinner with you, but you have to fly halfway around the world to do it, you have to pay for a ticket to get there, a lot of us would just do it. Whether it's an athlete or a, or a, a, a biblical, you know, somebody that you know, that you, you admire for who they are spiritually, or whoever it might be. And some of us would travel great distance to, to spend an hour with somebody. You know what's amazing? We can come and talk to God anywhere and anytime. Amen? We have access to Almighty God. We don't have to get on a plane and it doesn't cost us any money because Jesus Christ paid the price on Calvary. Amen? And we can enter into His presence. We have access to Almighty God by His grace. 
So what, that, what should that do, knowing that the wall's been torn down and we have access to the Lord, it should drive us to our knees. The Bible says, Jesus said, you shall make my Father's house the house of prayer. prayer. And you know, if we want to see God move, we need to pray. Can I get an amen to that? And then finally, to truly understand God's love, we must come to the cross. Do you know his love? You know, there's wet, there, you know the cross has four points. And we're going to see in the, at the very end of this text that God's love is wide enough to include every person. Did Jesus die for everyone? What's the answer? Did he desire that none should perish? No, not one. What's the answer? Amen. It's not only wide enough for every person, it's long enough that it will last for all eternity. Isn't it good to know that if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you are saved for now and evermore, and soon you will be in the presence of Almighty God forever and ever and ever. Amen. And eternity is a long time. We're going to be dead a lot longer than we're alive. Can I get an amen to that? This is but a vapor of time. But, but the love of God is not only wide enough and long enough, it's deep enough to reach the worst sinner. There's no one beyond salvation. I don't know if it's true, but some said that Jeffrey Dahmer got saved right before he was killed in prison. I hope that's true. I have some people say, what a, oh, you know, that guy was vile. Yeah, he was. That guy was a pervert. He was a monster. That guy was a monster. I can't believe God would save him. I'm glad that he saves monsters because that means he can save me. And I'm thankful that where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. So God's love is wide enough, it's long enough, it's deep enough, and it's high enough to take us to heaven. And by the way, heaven's better. Can I get an amen to that? I cannot wait to see my Savior face to face, absent from the body, present with the Lord. We close our eyes on earth, we open them up in glory. I'm so thankful for that. So let's begin there looking at the mystery of grace. Why is grace so important? By the way, there's no other religion that even claims to have grace. Did you know that? It's always works-based. It's always, you got to earn it. You got to do this. You got to strive this. You got to achieve this. You got to keep this. You got to do this. And we're going to see as we look at briefly the dispensations that are talked about in dispensationalism, we'll see that whenever man, it's reliant upon man, man fails. You know why grace works? Because it's reliant upon God. Can I get an amen to that? See, God doesn't fail. We do. God is a God of love and grace and mercy. So let's begin there. It says, for this reason, what's he talking about? The previous chapters. Having boldly spoken the truth revealed in the previous chapters that the Gentiles had equal access to salvation, that the middle wall has been torn down, that they had been brought near by the blood of Christ. He said, for this reason, knowing that we have access to God, knowing that you can have a relationship with the Lord, knowing that the center wall, remember the center wall was in the synagogue. So when people would come to worship, there was a wall that separated the men from the women and then the men and women Jews from the Gentiles. And if the Gentiles went past the wall, they would be struck down dead. Well, when Jesus tore that wall down, we don't have a, a, some people that are closer access to God than other people. We all have access to the Father by the Son in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So in light of that, Paul says this, I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for you Gentiles. Now, Paul writes this, be reminded, he's in prison. Paul's in prison. And I have to remind you that he's in prison because Paul doesn't focus on himself, he focuses on the Lord and ministering to others. And that's what an example we should all follow. Amen? Too often we're so focused on our life that we have no time to minister to anybody else. We, it robs us of our joy. It keeps us from being faithful to use the gifts God has given us. 
But I want you to see something, that though he's a prisoner of Rome, Paul considers himself a prisoner of Christ. Because Paul knew the Romans couldn't keep him in prison unless the Lord allowed it. Amen? And it's good to know that when we go through the trials of life, that it had to go through the hands of our Savior first. Amen? And no suffering is wasted. And the trials we go through in this life, God will use for His glory if we will but let Him. So he sees himself not as a prisoner of Rome, but a prisoner of Christ. Now he's under house arrest in this case, where he's able to move around under supervision of soldiers, and at night he would be chained to a soldier so he wouldn't escape prior to his trial. But he knew that Jesus was the Lord of his life, not the Roman government. So if he was a prisoner, he's a prisoner of Christ. It was the Lord who had control over his life, and it was the Lord alone that he was bound to. So too, we don't work for our boss, we work for Jesus. Amen? Everything we do, we do for the Lord. I want to be a better husband. I want to be a husband unto Jesus for my wife. Does that make sense? I want to do my job at work. Most of you know I have a full-time job. I want to do my job at work in a way that brings glory and honor to Jesus Christ. Guys, we want to represent Jesus in our neighborhood. We want to represent Jesus. I was out at the jail yesterday uh, visiting with one of my sons. Most of you know one of my sons is in jail. Relapsed on drugs, he's in jail. And I went to visit my son, and I'm wearing a Christian t-shirt. And as I'm walking out, a mom comes walking out, and a grandmother comes walking out, asking me, their son had just been put in jail, and they were torn up. And we had a divine appointment, and we prayed together, and we ministered to each other. Guys, we want to, everywhere we go, we want to represent Christ. Can I get an amen to that? And we're bound to Him, not to this world. This is passing away. It's all going to burn. Can I get an amen to that? And we're going we're to know the Lord forever. And so everything we do, and so for, for Paul, he's a missionary. He could have said, you know, I planted churches. I'm in jail now. I can't plant churches. I'm glad God put him in jail. We wouldn't have the letters maybe. Can I get an amen to that? He wrote four letters in jail. God had to slow that brother down so he could sit down and write, write the letters that are in the Word of God. And you know what? Because he was bound, we're blessed. Amen? Because he was bound. We're reading this letter this morning. And again, we know the Holy Spirit wrote it through Paul's hand, but praise the Lord for it. Again, I love that again, for Jesus, everything we do, we are bound to him. But notice he says there, for you, what? Gentiles. Because of the efforts to bring the gospel to the Gentiles, this is why Paul was thrown in prison. Now, I mentioned this last week. He was falsely accused. He brought, he brought a, an offering. If you guys remember this, when we were going through Acts and other books, he brought an offering to the Jewish believers. But in doing so, he was falsely accused that he brought a Gentile into the place that was only for the Jews. It didn't even happen. It's not even true. But he was falsely accused. So what he's saying here is, I've been thrown in prison because I dare to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. Because there's a group of people that refer to the Gentiles as beyond salvation. There's a group of people that look at the Gentiles like some people look at the Palestinians today. Amen? They're ISIS in their mind, right? I mean, they look at them as somebody that's so vile and so wicked. And here's the reality. Some of those people had been oppressive to the Jewish people. Can I get an amen to that? So there's a reason, there's actually a valid reason to some extent as to why they see them uh, with, with hatred in some cases. But God tears down that wall, doesn't he? And he brings us all together, one in Christ. 
And so here we are, and, he's, and again, when he mentioned Gentiles in Ephesus before, the place lost their minds, and now he's writing this letter to them saying, I'm in jail because of the ministry to the Gentiles. Now, I don't have a lot of time, but I love that Paul, if anybody should be ministering to the Jews from my perspective, it would be Paul, because Paul was the Jew of Jews. He was a member of the Sanhedrin. He was a guy tracking down Christians when he was Saul of Tarsus and persecuting. He held the coats while they stoned Stephen to death. This guy was the anti-Christian. And then he came to know Christ. But he had this, you know, he had studied at the feet of Gamaliel. He was, a, he was a man of great knowledge. He was a very religious man. And then the Lord took him and had him go to the Gentile dogs. And he brings Peter, who's a fisherman, who's uneducated, and sends him to the Jews. You know why? Because it's not about our ability. It's about what God can do even through people like us. Amen. He sends someone that doesn't make any sense. And isn't it good to know that means that God can use you and God can use me when it doesn't even make any sense? Because, guys, it has nothing to do with us and everything to do with the one who's in us. Guys, here's the reality. Let me just say this. Every once in a while, all the people make suggestions and tell me different things we need to do here, and it's okay. And, the, and their suggestions often are very uh, physically focused. Hey, we need to do this different in worship. Hey, we need to do this different with this. Hey, we need to do this different with that. Let me just tell you something. Here's what we need to do different. We need to make sure that everything that happens in this fellowship is being done in the power of the Holy Spirit. Then nothing is done based on anybody's ability or anybody's talents or anybody's fleshly things. We don't need more charismatic speakers. We don't necessarily need you know, more gifted musicians. You know what? I, I love that we have spirit-filled musicians. Can I get an amen to that? They're worshiping the Lord and we enter with them. Amen? We have spirit-filled people teaching our children. Guys, I want everything to be done in the power of the Holy Spirit. I'd rather have a guy up here who knows one song, who knows Jesus, and he's beating the death out of his guitar than having a a major 700-piece band that's hired that doesn't know Jesus. We want to do everything in the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's my heart. That's what's been stirring up in me. As we go to this new synagogue, when we show up, the Holy Spirit's showing up. And he's going to take residence in that building. And I pray that God's going to be glorified. And boy, do I want to see Rabbi Ron and everybody else in there get saved. And you know what? They invite us into their house. And so unity comes in Christ. And we need to do everything in the power of the Holy Spirit. And here's the Apostle Paul. I'm in jail because I'm ministering to the Gentiles. And if they ever outlaw ministering the gospel, I'll be in jail too. And I've done prison ministry in the past. And I can do it from the inside. Can I get an amen? So here's the exhortation is Paul's encouraging them as a prisoner of Christ. The Lord has me here and I'm writing to encourage you and to exhort you. And then he says, look at verse two. If indeed you've heard of the dispensation of grace of God, which is given to me for you, the dispensation of grace. I wasn't even going to try to tackle this but I'm going to take just a moment. I'll do it in a moment. But dispensation means God's plan for a certain place at a certain time. God created the, it's the dispensation, the pouring out, the giving of God's grace. God now, now deals with man according to the dispensation of grace. Now, it wasn't always this way. Now, it always pointed to grace, and God always knew what he was doing. But when there, were, there are, you know, depending on who you talk to, there's seven, eight, nine dispensations of time. And let me just give you real briefly what most dispensationalists believe. First of all, there was a dispensation of innocence. 
in the garden, Adam and Eve, were they, were they innocent? What's the answer? Yes. Were they without sin? Yes. Completely without sin. And yet they only had one thing they were told not to do. And they walked in the cool of the day, and they had intimate fellowship with the Lord. They could talk to God like I'm talking to you. That nothing on the planet died. Everything was perfect. They were living in paradise. Just don't eat of that tree. And we don't know how long it lasted, but I don't think very long. And they took of the tree, saw, took, ate, and now they were in sin. That sin separated them from God. Some people will say, well, you know, I would follow God if I, you know, I'm born with a sin nature. That doesn't seem fair. If I didn't have a sin, if you didn't have a sin, sin nature at birth, you'd have sinned anyway. Adam and Eve are the proof. Can I get an amen to that? But we want to go back and people want to say, well, if I was in it, you're a sinner like the rest of us. Get over yourself. Amen. And by the way, the fact that you think you wouldn't sin proves you're prideful and that's sin anyway. Amen. <laughs> so it went from the sin of innocence to, to the dispensation of innocence to the dispensation dispensation of conscience and what this means this lasted approximately 1650 years from the fall of man to the flood where men operated in their own conscience in a sense there was inward conviction to some level we know that enoch walked with god during that time and god drew him up into heaven but guess what man operating in his own best efforts using his own conscience as his guide which i do believe the holy spirit has some impact in that but here they are guess what they failed miserably so much so that what did god do he flooded the earth they were so wicked and so perverse and everyone was doing what was right in his own eyes that he wiped out the entire planet. He took Enoch into heaven and Noah and his family were the only ones that survived. Well, this is what I am operating according to my own conscience. As long as I operate according to my own conscience, uh, yeah, you'll, you'll crash and burn all over the highway. Can I get an amen to that? Your conscience is contrary to the word of God and the will of God. Amen? That's why we need the spirit of God dwelling within us. So it went from the age of innocent dispensation of innocence to the dispensation of conscience to the dispensation of government this lasted about 425 years where men were governing themselves but if you'll remember that ended at the tower of babel see god had given them the ability to govern themselves to a certain degree god established a first governmental order based upon capital punishment in exodus 21 and man decided to add to God's order by undertaking the first uh, governmental building project, and it was the Tower of Babel. They wanted to build a tower to the sky to reach God. Uh, you know what? If that's the first time, one of the best, best examples of man trying through his own efforts to reach God uh, through his own abilities. And what did God do at the Tower of Babel? What did he do? He confused them and separated them. That's where all the languages changed. That's where they were all sent to different parts of the world because we cannot come to God through our own efforts, in our own strength. We can't do it. We can't earn it. How stupid is that to think I'm going to build a tower high enough to reach God? And yet they are all together to try and do that. Well, it goes from that to the, the dispensation of promise. Again, this is from Abraham uh, to Exodus. God made a promise. You know, if I just had a promise, I know my life would be successful. I don't need God. I just need a vision. I need a vision. I need a promise for my life, and then I'll just follow it. I just need to read the right book. I just need the right vision. I just need the right promise for my life, and then I'll make it work. And we know that Abraham, by faith, believed God, and he was accounted righteous. But too often what happens is God gave people an opportunity, and they rejected him. Men were operating in their own strength. Men were continuing to try to do things in their own will. 
Abraham received just such a promise from God told him that his posterity would number as the sand of the seashore and the stars in the heaven and that he would live in a, a new land. But what happened is descendants ended up in Egypt breaking bricks in a, a blistering a d- desert sun. Why? Because they rejected God. Because they turned over to a life of disobedience and rebellion to the Lord. So the dispensation of innocence to conscience to government to promise and then came the law. And we know the law goes from Abraham, you know, from the foundation of Israel all the way until Jesus came. But we know in the New Testament, it tells us that the law is a taskmaster that leads us to the cross. The law can't save us. Now, the law was, a, was God's way of giving them some direction on how to live a life that was pleasing unto him. And that is still true to a certain degree today. But the law can't save you. You know, all the feasts, all the festivals, all the sacrifices, all of it was pointing to Jesus. Amen? Every bit of it. Now, 613 laws the Jews must keep today. How are they doing? We can't keep 10 of them. Can I get an amen to that? And so the law can't save us. But see, innocence, if I was innocent and without sin, I would still blow it. If I, just using my conscience, I'm going to blow it. Uh, the government will never save you. Can I get an amen to that? The promise, well, if I just had a promise, if I just had a vision, if I just had direction, you'd blow it. Amen? And just give me the laws, I'll keep them. Uh, no, you won't. You'll fail. So guess what? Then comes the dispensation of grace. See, because innocence, conscience, government, promise, and the law were all dependent upon the faithfulness of man to respond. And man fails, and grace works, because it isn't dependent upon man, it's dependent upon God. Does that make sense? I know that was a three-minute, Terry's going to tear me up afterward that I wasn't detailed enough. I already know. It's coming. But the reality is I'm trying to give a five-minute version of something you could study for the rest of your life. And here's the reality. Praise God for His grace. There's a couple more dispensations. There's a, the tribulation is coming uh, when we will be raptured. Some will disagree when that happens. I'm a pre-trib guy. I believe we get raptured before the, you know, God has not appointed us unto wrath, but there's a tribulation period. There's going to be a great amount of people that get saved during that time. It'll be the rise of the Antichrist. God will come back with his army with us, and we will do battle, and we will, then we will rule and reign with him for a thousand years upon the earth, and that's the dispensation of righteousness. The millennial kingdom will be established upon the earth. So he's talking here about the age of grace, and that's the age we're in. It's also called the church age. See, the church age goes from the time that the church was created you know, through the, Jesus dying on the cross and raising from the dead and, and the Holy Spirit being poured out in the book of Acts and the beginning of the church. And now we go from that, we're in that church age until the day we're all raptured. You look at the book of Revelation, you see the churches in chapter 2 and chapter 3. You don't see them anymore from chapter 4 till the end when we come back with the Lord. And that's the tribulation period. So we are in the church age. Y'all got a headache, right? This is what I don't do to you. Y'all got a headache. But we are in the church age until the day we're raptured. Amen. And we're under God's grace, and I am so thankful for that. Notice what it says about God's grace, which was given to me for you. It was given to Paul for us. Paul was shared the grace of God, and it was given to us. So grace is a gift. It's not something we earn. It's not something we deserve. God's riches at Christ's expense, G-R-A-C-E, and it was given to us. Again, not given to Paul only for his private use, but for the sake of sharing it with others, the Gentiles, the Ephesians. And God doesn't reveal truth to us or give us gifts that we might keep them to ourselves. Amen? 
Should we, should we memorize Scripture? What do you think? Do you think we're going to get a brownie point in heaven for memorizing Scripture? I don't either. Should we memorize it? Absolutely. But you know what? If you memorize the entire Bible and you sit at your house and contemplate your navel and the Bible for the rest of your life, I don't think there's any reward for that. Guys, we need to memorize it, and then we need to go apply it. We need to go live it. We need to obey it. Can I get an amen to that? And you got people that are all wrapped up in being religious and keeping laws and, you know, no bacon or, or shrimp at the new building. <laughs> We're going to obey that because that's our, our, ten, our landlords. If we wanted to have a, a homosexual wedding in an open bar, we could do that, but no bacon or shrimp. <laughs> and we're going to honor that, because that will stumble them. And the Bible says, Paul said, if, not eating, if eating meat stumbles my brother, I'll never eat meat again. Amen? We want to minister to them. We want to we abide by... Now, if they tell us not to preach Jesus, we're moving out. Can I get an amen to that? So here it is, the dispensation of grace has been poured out, but God gives us grace, not that we would keep it to ourselves, but that we might share it with everybody. By grace we've been saved. How can we be set free from sin and death and keep it to ourselves? I can think of nothing more selfish than going to heaven by yourself. Amen? We need to preach Jesus Christ and crucified. So we see the age of grace, now the unity of grace. Look at verse 3. How they by revelation he made known to me how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already. The word mystery there, mysterion, is a once hidden truth now revealed by revelation from God. It's God's perfect and appropriate timing, not only to Paul, but to reveal to them the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy in Christ and the dispensation of grace. If you remember, in Acts chapter 10, Peter had to have his eyes open to go minister to Gentiles. You guys remember that? Peter was up on a rooftop. Cornelius was some distance away. He was a military leader. And the Lord moved upon his heart to go and get Peter to come back and share with him the, the truth, to better understand the truth of who Jesus is and what he did. And, Paul, and, and God prepares the person who's hungry for it, and he prepares the person to deliver it. The person that needs it is crying out, God, show me somebody, and you might be that somebody. Can I get an amen to that? That's why I need to pray for divine appointments. So, Paul's up, so uh, Peter's up on the rooftop, and a sheet comes down in this vision with all the unclean animals he wasn't supposed to eat. And the Lord, the, he appears to him and says, rise, kill, and eat. And Paul, Peter says, not so, Lord. Never say not so, Lord, in the same sentence. Can I get an amen to that? If he's Lord, it's always yes, Lord. And he said, what? I have cleansed that no man call unclean. See, the separation in their diet was largely to keep them away from the idolatrous people. Again, a lot of it had to do with idolatry and being separated from the world. And he said, now, you know what? In Christ, there's grace and the Gentiles can be saved. And you don't have to worry about those dietary restrictions that keep you from other people. You're open now. And he went, he met with Cornelius, and they had Gentile Pentecost. The Holy Spirit fell upon him. People got saved. It was powerful. What, has to ha what had to happen was that their eyes had to be open to the fact that this mystery is something that's now been revealed and they now understand. It says in Isaiah 49, I will also give you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So the gospel was not just for the Jews. The gospel's for all people. And the grace of God is for all people. Can I get an amen to that? 
All true revelation and prophecy must be consistent with and backed up by the Word of God. The Word of God always trumps the emotions and experiences of men. But I had a feeling, but I had a burden, but I had a burning. I eat a chili dog, I get a burning. Can I get an amen to that? I eat too many jalapenos, which I often do. You know what I mean? The reality is, it's not some whipped up emotional... Now, can God work through our emotions sometimes? What's the answer? Yes. But He'll always agree with the Word of God. I just have this new vision. There's no new visions. If it's new, it's not true. Can I get an amen to that? And if it's true, it's not new. The Word of God is true. Amen? He'll he'll give us understanding of what we already know, but he's not going to give us a new revelation because the Bible even tells us if you add to the word of God, let that person be accursed. Amen? The Mormons think they have a new revelation, revelation, and what they have is a false gospel. Amen? So he's letting them know this has been revealed to you, not so you can keep it to yourself, but so you can share it with the lost and dying world around you. Today, you and I are so blessed to live in a time when we have the completed revelation. I've been a pastor 31 years. I've been a, I've been a Christian for 51 years. And you know what? I feel like I'm an inch deep in the ocean when it comes to my understanding of the Word of God. Can I get an amen to that? There's so much more, so much deeper, so much more in the Word of God. Verse 4 and 5. By which, when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, had has been now been revealed by the Spirit, his holy, to his holy apostles and prophets. See, the mystery, the truth written about by the apostle Paul is the mystery of Christ, the person of Christ, the office of Christ, his grace, his work, what he came to do and to accomplish, again, in this now church age. See, when they were making sacrifices in the old covenant, they didn't fully understand what those, they knew they were obeying God by doing it, and it was right. They were doing what God called them to do, and they were being obedient when they did it. Amen. But when they were being obedient and doing it, they didn't understand that that lamb whose blood was being shed was pointing to the lamb of God whose blood would be shed on the cross of Calvary. They didn't understand when they were observing the Passover feast and breaking the bread and wrapping it in linen and hiding it. It's a picture of Jesus' body being broken. He's striped and pierced, him being put into the tomb and everybody rejoicing when he raises from the dead. See, every feast, every festival, every, everything that they did was all pointing to Jesus. And that's why we don't sacrifice lambs anymore. Because the Lamb of God has taken away the sins of the world. Thank you, Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? And so that's who we are in Christ. And he's saying we're the most blessed of people because we understand. To previous generations, they didn't get it. They didn't understand what was coming. By the way, look around the world today. The Bible tells us in the last days, all the nations that will gather... Read Ezekiel. Read... read the. All these nations will come together and surround Israel to attack. Is that happening? Are that, it, the place is the size of New Jersey, and it's the focus of the entire known world. And you know what? The Bible told us that thousands of years ago. Because the Word of God is true. And we need to live every day in light of the Word of God. Can I encourage you? For every minute you spend on social media, spend 10 minutes in this. And you know what will happen? Your life will change. Can I get an amen to that? You won't be so uptight and angry and mad at, you know, whatever anybody else is doing. And you'll focus on the Lord and God will give you a love for people. Verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. You got to understand, to Jewish ears, this was blasphemous. 
This would cause them to be angry. Are you kidding me? That'd be like telling a super conservative guy that they're going to be bound to Nancy Pelosi or something. <laughs> you know, there's this venom. And, there's, and, just, and you can do the same thing the other way around, right? Tell Nancy Pelosi that God came for Donald Trump. She'd, her head would explode. <laughs> and this is the mentality. There's, not any, there's no unity. There's division. And he's saying, look, he came for all. And he came for the Gentiles. He came for the Jews. And he's unifying us. And it was all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And we need to put away all the other labels. And this breaks my heart. The churches in America need to be more unified. Instead of pointing at each other and arguing about secondary issues, we ought to all gather together and reach the people for the kingdom of God. And let's quit, argue, let's quit trying to win arguments with unbelievers. Let's try to win them to the gospel. Let's love people. Amen? That's the exhortation. And he's letting them know in Christ... We're in the same body. What are you? We're in the same body. You mean I'm, the Gentile dogs? We're in the same body. You mean we're knit? To, yeah, you're knit together. You got the same dad. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And that can happen. Even in the early church, you'd have churches made up largely of Jewish convert, you know, Jewish believers, and then you had Gentile believers. And now we do the same thing, don't we? You got people based on different nationalities, backgrounds, rich and poor, all having different churches. Guys, we're all one church. And we're all one in Christ. Amen? We all come to God the same way. There's no other way to God the Father except through Jesus Christ. You can't get there through the law. You can't get there by keeping the rules. You can't get there by being religious. There's no other way. There's no other hope. There's no other answer. It's Jesus Christ, Him crucified and risen from the dead. And that's the only way you're getting to heaven. Whether you're Jew or Greek, slave or free, barbarian or Scythian, male or female, it doesn't matter what your background is, rich or poor, you all, we all come to Christ, this, to the Father, the same way through Jesus Christ. And guys, we can't lose track of that. Can you imagine what an awesome message that is to the Gentiles to know that the outer court has been torn down? You're no longer on the outside when it comes to God. You can come near. Isn't it good for all of us to know that God is not far away, that we can come near. Amen? So point number two, the unity of grace, that Jews and Gentiles are fellow heirs, once divided mortal, mortal enemies, now one in Christ. The gift of grace. We may not finish this. That's okay. That's why verse by verse is amazing, because we'll pick up where we left off. But he says here, of which I became a minister according to the gift of grace of God given to me by the effective working of his what's the word there I'll give you one one guess what that word is in the original language dunamis people pay attention god bless you guys the word dunamis there is where we get the word dynamic right or dynamite and it's the power of god without the power of the holy spirit we can do nothing and the apostle paul's making it very clear here that he says the grace was given to me by the effective working of his power See, Paul was a Jew of Jews. Paul was a man who trusted the laws much more than anybody on the planet. And now he's a man who walks in grace. And how is that possible? Only by the Holy Spirit. Only by the power of God opening the eyes of the lost to see the truth. Amen? And praise God for it. So guys, when we share our faith, it isn't a, a better method. And we should be prepared to teach to share the hope that lies within us. 
But it's not a better method or, or a better argument or me being more intellectual. You know what it is? It's the power of the Holy Spirit transforming somebody's life. It's the power of the Holy Spirit taking the scales from their eyes that they might see the truth. Now, we need to study to show ourselves approved. Workmen need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. We need to know what the Bible says. But guys, if, if someone turns away from the Lord, it's not because your argument isn't good enough. It's because they're rejecting the Holy Spirit. Can I get an amen to that? And so it's the power of God, it's the Spirit of God that transforms people from darkness into light. So Paul was a minister, not according to his good works, not according to his natural abilities, not according to his great knowledge, but by God's grace. Any of us being used by the Lord isn't because we're smart, it's because God's great. Amen? It's not, be, it's not by our good works, I did so many good works that God can't help but use me, no. It's the power of God. It's the Spirit of God who transforms us and makes us usable. The word working there means, it's the word for energy, and the word power there, as we talked about, is dunamis. The Holy Spirit gives believers the energy and the power to fulfill the calling God has placed upon our lives. Guys, when you're called to do something, God will, if He, if he calls you, He'll equip you. Amen? If God calls you, He'll strengthen you. I don't like to talk about this a lot, but... For 20-something years, I never slept on Saturday night because I had a full-time job and I had four kids at home and I didn't want to sacrifice my kids in the altar of ministry. My dad was a pastor and had a full-time job and he never had time to make it to my games. I understand it. He's in heaven. I'm not bitter one bit. But I didn't want to be that guy. So for that to happen, that meant on Saturdays, I would be with my family till dinner and then I would go to the church office and I would study all night till about eight in the morning, go home and take a shower and come and teach for 21 years. You know what gives you the strength to do that? Amen. Amen? Not me. People go, how do you? And people say, I feel sorry for you. You were up all night. I go, I was hanging out with Jesus. You were sleeping. You tell me who got ripped off. (laughs) But the point I'm making is when God calls you, God strengthens you. God equips you. God gives you the energy and the power to do what he's called you to do. And you know what? That means he gets all the glory for it. Amen? Because he did it. And it's to his praise and his glory. So if God chooses to use us, we need to be pointing people only unto him. It says there, now watch Paul. To me, who am less than the least of the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul's a humble man. But Paul was not a humble man before he came to know Christ. Paul was a self-righteous man. Paul was an arrogant man. Paul was an, an angry man, a vindictive man. And Paul was a man that his, he, he was zealous, but he was zealous for a, not a full gospel. Amen? So he was zealous for a lie. And now Paul, having come to know Christ, he refers to himself as the least of the saints. By the way, as we watch Paul's life, as he gets closer to his death, he goes from the least of the saints to the chief of sinners. The closer he gets to the Lord, the more he recognizes his own failure. And guys, the closer we get to the Lord, we ought to become more humble, not more prideful. Can I get an amen to that? The closer we get to the Lord, the more we recognize our desperate need for him, it ought to bring us to the end of ourselves. So if God, doesn't, if God blesses the fellowship and we move over there, to God be all the glory. Can I get an amen for that? It's not because we have a great plan or we did. By the way, we didn't even ask for that building. We're so thick. We're sitting over here. We didn't call nobody. God brought the Jewish people to ask us to move in. Can I get an amen to that? So to God be all the glory. Amen. And so Paul's making it clear that, you know, he was the greatest enemy of the early church 
And now he's an instrument that God uses. Some of you have people in your life that your hearts are broken for. And some of them have done evil things and they're far away from God. Do you know that God can not only save them, but he can use them for his glory? And we need to pray for that, don't we? And so that test becomes a testimony, amen? If you read the book Harvest about the beginning of the Calvary movement, if you read through there, almost all the pastors that started early on were drug addicts, gangbangers, and their lives were a train wreck. Then they got saved. And you know what? He takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. People would mock and say, well, they didn't even go, Greg Laurie didn't go to seminary. Well, I guess that really impacted God not using him. Can I get an amen to that? The reality is it's, it's a being available and being transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And that means that God can use me and God can use you. Again, he goes in 1 Corinthians from least of the apostles to least of the saints here and in 1 Timothy, chief of sinners. Paul blown away that God would use him. He was humbled by God's grace and he was content. The content of his message, well, what did he preach? So God called me to preach, but what did he tell him to preach? So what he says, he says there, the unsearchable riches of Christ. The unsearchable riches of Christ. Paul didn't preach philosophy, psychology, uh, whatever. He preached the unsearchable riches of Christ. And guys, that's all we should ever preach. Can I get an amen to that? And by the way, they're unsearchable. The message of Paul's ministry was Jesus, Jesus, and some more Jesus. Amen? Jesus Christ him crucified and risen from the dead. The riches of Christ are without end. They're beyond comprehension. Then he says there in verse 9, And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Christ Jesus. Having been trusted with such riches, Paul's passion is to make this gospel known to everyone. He wants everyone to see and share in the fellowship of the mystery, not just the knowledge of the mystery. He wants them to have intimate fellowship with God. Guys, it's not enough to know about God. Do you know him? Is Jesus Christ your best friend? Do you have intimate fellowship with the Lord? We should wake up every day in his presence. Can I get an amen to that? We have access to God. Our knees should be the first thing to hit the ground in the morning. We should spend time in prayer. Pray to be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit. Pray for divine appointments and opportunities to tell people about Jesus. And then go out and live your life sold out and set apart unto Him. Mindful of Him always. Praying without ceasing. Those are the men and women that God can use. Giving them an hour every, you know, once a month. I'm glad you're here. If that's who you are, I'm glad you're here. But get past religion and have a relationship. Come to know Jesus as Lord, Savior, God, and King. Intimate fellowship. The, veil, the veil's been torn. The wall's been broken down. And again, the truth was hidden in God is now, that was hidden in God is now revealed in Christ. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. What's God like? Look at Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? And you know what? They got to get a glimpse of God when they see how we live. We're not God but the Holy Spirit lives in us. Can I get an amen to that? And we should be different. And we should represent the Lord to a lost and a dying world. By the way, it says there that Jesus is the creator of all things. Jesus isn't created, he's creator. Can I get an amen? He created everything. Muhammad created nothing. Amen? Buddha created nothing. The 30 million gods of the Hindus created nothing. Buddha's going to bow to Jesus, Muhammad's going to bow to Jesus, and, every, and the 30 million gods that don't even exist can't bow of the Hindus. But you know what? 
Jesus Christ created everything. Jesus Christ is the, uh, is, uh, always has been, always will be. Gives you a headache trying to understand that. And yet, as the creator, he came to earth, took on humanity, and suffered and died in our place that we might have eternal life. Guys, we don't worship a created block of wood. We don't worship a false god uh, that Satan is behind like Muhammad. Amen? You know, follow me or I'll kill you. That's Islam. Jesus says, follow me because I died for you. Those kind of different messages. And praise the Lord that he is the creator. And he is in control. And the mystery is no longer hidden. The riches are available in Christ. I told you we weren't going to finish. Let's do verse 10. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. This is amazing to me. The principalities and powers, who's that? Angels and? Angels and demons. Do you know that we are teaching them? Do you know that they are blown away when they see what God does with knuckleheads like us? Do you know that they, are, they see it and they're blown away by it? Many believe that they had no full grasp of the resurrection until it happened. Again, they're angels, they're in heaven, but, and they know who God is, they know He's in control, they know He wins, they know He's faithful, but the plan on this planet, He doesn't speak through angels, He doesn't speak you know, from the sky, He speaks through us. Amen? And they get to see all the, the, the most gnarly testimonies happening right in front of their eyes. They get to see people who are so far from God walking with the Lord. And we testify. We're an example to them. It's the wisdom of God that God chose to use us to educate the angels. Our calling is not only to proclaim truth in the physical world, but to exemplify uh, the, the wisdom of God to the spiritual world. It says in 1 Timothy, the angels are studying us, no doubt that God would reside in people like us. They're blown away that God would use people like us. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, we're a spectacle unto the world and unto angels. Isn't that amazing? Angels are watching, amen? The angels rejoice at one person. When one person gets saved, it says all the angels in heaven rejoice. There's a party in heaven every time one person gets saved. Isn't that good? When you got saved, all the angels in heaven rejoiced. Learning about God's grace through the church. While Satan knows the scriptures, he's not all-knowing, he's not all-powerful, Amen? I think Satan's blown away by how God's using some of you. Amen? Our God is greater. Keeping the program hinted prevented Satan from spoiling it. Satan thought he won his greatest victory on the cross, and it was his greatest defeat. Amen? He thought he won. Got Judas to betray Jesus. Got him arrested. Got him taken to the cross. He thought he won a great victory. And then three days later, he found out. We don't serve a dead God, we serve a risen living Savior. Amen? Boy, it's tough to stop right there. <laughs> Verse 11. <laughs> Let me at least finish this. According to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, the supreme purpose of the church is to glorify God and to point mankind to the only available bridge to God. We are to know Him and to make Him known. Why do we live and move and breathe? To know Him and to make Him known. Now, should we work hard? Yes. Should we do, you know, amen. We're good citizens, yes. But that's all part of knowing Him and making Him known. Amen? 
So when people ask, what's the meaning of life? It's Jesus knowing him and making him known. Amen? And that's what that verse is telling us. It says in Ephesians 1, in the dispensation of the fullness of time, he might gather together in one all things in Christ. Remember that in this text, it says in him, in Christ, in him, in Christ, in him, in Christ, 39 times in this letter. Because guys, the answer is found in Christ. The hope is in Christ. Salvation is in Christ. The fact that we can go to heaven is in Christ. The power to live a holy life is in Christ, pouring out his Holy Spirit upon us. Can I get an amen to that? Guys, this is good stuff. We're going to heaven. Can I get an amen to that? I'm stopping right there. Verse 12 next week. Got to read the rest of the book. In Christ. Ministry. In Christ. God's plan before the fall of Adam that he would bring restoration always through Christ. Boy, it's an awkward place to stop, but I'm going to make you read ahead. So the mystery of grace. We are in the age of grace. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad we're not dragging lambs down here and trying to figure out what it all means? Thank you, Lord. Just being obedient and hoping. I'm glad we know. We're the most blessed of all people. We have, a, we have the completed revelation in our hands. Amen? So good. Not only that, we got more, we got, we got more access to the gospel than anybody's ever had. We can listen to Christian radio. Amen? We got Bible commentaries. We have, we have Bible colleges. We have Christian software. And we got all kinds of, you know, but guys, access means nothing if we don't take it in and live it. So we're going to be the most accountable too. Amen? We're in the age of grace. There's unity in grace. We'll finish next week looking at the gift of grace, which is ministry and wisdom and boldness and access and confidence and the ability to endure suffering. Guys, we can't do it on our own, but we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Amen? Amen? Heavenly Father, we thank you, we praise you, we love you. I thank you for everyone's patience this morning. We thank you for Ephesians chapter 3 and all you're teaching us. And Lord, we're thankful that we're under grace. It's by grace we've been saved. We're thankful for that. It's by faith in you. And it's by the grace of, of the work of grace upon the work of cross of the cross of Calvary by our Savior. And we're so thankful, Lord. We don't earn it, we don't deserve it, but you've poured out your riches upon us anyway. And Lord, I just pray for anybody here today that doesn't know you, that today would be the day of salvation. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible says if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. If you deny me before men, I'll deny you before my Father in heaven. I'm not asking you to join a church or an organization, but are you ready to surrender your life to the Lord and make a public profession that you know you're a sinner and you believe in your heart and you're willing to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord? It's faith and belief that saves you. Anybody here at all, I'll pray a simple prayer with you and you can walk out of here knowing you've been forgiven if you really mean it from your heart. Is anybody here at all, just raise your hand. Public profession. Outward statement of, an in, of a desire for an inward change. Anybody at all. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. You are indeed a great and an awesome God. We're so thankful we don't have to go through this life by ourselves. We're thankful that we're not trusting in our own intellect, our own innocence, our own conscience, or trying to keep the law but we thank the Lord that we're under your grace. We ask these things in your holy and your precious name. We pray and all God's people said, Amen. is he worthy to be worshipped? Let's worship.